and hello, <laughs> and welcome to Hacks on Drac, a podcast miniseries exploring the legacy of Bram Stoker's iconic vampire novel. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. <laughs> I, that uh, your intro always gets me. I'm sorry. It's I was I was like thinking the other day because like I was trying to think of something spooky ish to start the show with like a good evening, but I, I don't think Dracula's even ever said that. I think that's like a an Alfred Hitchcock thing. Uh yeah, something Alfred But it, Alfred but it, it feels like it fits, so I'm just sticking with sure. it. Sure. I don't know. You got to go with what feels right sometimes. Uh, you're, you can quote me on that on your on my gravestone Sunday. Um, so this show, for those of you who are coming in in the middle, is a mini series where we're discussing uh, Bram Stoker's novel Dracula. Yep. And then we're discussing many different adaptations of it in pop culture and kind of exploring where our pop cultural version of Dracula that we all kind of see in our heads when when you're told to think of a Dracula, kind of where everything comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you just remind me. I think we should say like you can listen to these out of order. It doesn't. It's not like uh, yeah. I mean, we talk. We mention all. We we but we go forward. We go backwards. So if uh, yeah, we try to like yeah. If yeah. we bring up facts from like another movie or something, we try to reference those. So. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So this is this episode is going to be the uh, first Christopher Lee uh starring dracula movie well yes if you could say starring it's odd <laughs> he gets like third billing he's in it a little bit uh <laughs> there was a solid half hour where he was not even in this movie oh no not at all but yeah um, we're talking about dracula the 1958 hammer classic starring christopher lee mm-hmm. and uh peter cushing in our past episodes we've already talked about the silent nosferatu we talked about uh the bella Bell lugosi, lugosi dracula we talked about the original novel in our first episode of course but we're getting now to the very first color Dracula mm. adaptation, and it stars, like oh, I this said, is the first color one. Yeah, this is the very first color Dracula, <laughs> and it stars, like I said, Peter Cushing and uh, Christopher Lee, who kind of became like horrors Laurel and Hardy kind of for a while, <laughs> which is ironic because uh, Peter Cushing was actually in a Laurel and Hardy movie. Oh, weird. I think it's called like a chump at Oxford or something. So He's kind of just a glorified extra, but yeah, Peter Cushing this has is been a, in Hollywood a pre- while. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the the only the second movie I've ever seen Peter Cushing. <laughs> the first being Star Wars. Star Wars, of course, is his, um, is his most well. It's weird because that's his most well known role now is for being in Star Wars. But for uh-huh. a long time, he was typecast for being in horror movies, as yeah. Christopher Lee was, and that was a yeah. real concern for him. Where it's where Peter Cushing, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee are both working actors, and I think we're both just happy to be acting, period, mm-hmm. in general. But definitely, if they would have been given their druthers, they would have chose to have kind of more varied roles than to always be yeah. stuck in these, like, kind of monster hunter roles or films, monsters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was confused. Well, a couple things. So it was released in the U.S. as the horror, horror of Dracula, Dracula because they didn't want it to be confused with, with the Bela Lugosi Dracula, which is so funny now when you think about that because Drac- there's just like nine zillion Dracula movies. And back then they were yeah. like, there's two Dracula movies. <laughs> People might confuse this with the other one. I I mean, <laughs> How we, will they tell the difference? We currently have a um, with the DC franchise. We've got like multiple iterations of, Drac- of uh, <laughs> Dracula, of Batman, um, the Joker. Yeah, people are Flash. People can easily tell when like something is not related to to something else, and you don't have mm-hmm. to always go so out of your Isn't way. Weird though, it took them like sixty years to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, it really doesn't matter. Like people will accept whatever, however you introduce the movie. It's you know, uh, totally. And also, this movie is so vastly different from the Bela Lugosi version. Oh, totally. Uh, it's really its own thing. It's it's 
yeah, let's just get it out of the way. This movie's batshit insane. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Bat pun intended. It's like almost Dracula only in name. Um, it's uh, I, Well, I have to say as I was watching it, like it's, it's the story deviates a lot from Dracula, obviously, but mm-hmm. like in spirit, it feels a lot closer to the book as far as like how Dracula feels at times, kind of his relationship to the other characters. Sure. Um, sort of the characters uh, like goals in the movie sort of mirror closely more what happens in the book versus what happens story-wise in like the Bela Lugosi one. Right, yeah, and Van Helsing's uh, like the star of the movie. Oh, Um, yeah, like it's... Because, yeah, Christopher Lee wasn't like a big, big star at this point. Peter Cushing was more of a a big actor at, at this point, and they'd already acted together previously in the movie. I think it's called The Curse of Frankenstein. Oh, okay. And that was like the first of like the big Hammer horror movies because Hammer had been around as a studio for a while before then, but it kind of had like financial problems with like the war happening and things. And so they sort of rebranded themselves in the late 50s as sort of like a horror studio. And this was they'd put out like one or two other movies before this. I Mm -hmm. think they were kind of like horror takes on the quarter mass experiment or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, but Curse of Frankenstein was like their first big it's kind of ironic because it's, you know, like when we were talking about like Dracula, the Bela Lugosi one, how that's what kickstarted universal horror. Right. The Curse of Frankenstein was that to, to Hammer. Uh, and yeah. Hammer is very much like the British equivalent of, of universal movies, how we have like the universal Monsters, versions of yeah. like Frankenstein and Dracula yeah. and all that. And those are all seen as like being very American. These are like the, the British kind of national equivalents. Interesting, and, yeah. And people in England are probably more likely when you talk about Dracula to envision... Well, maybe maybe not now that the internet's kind of connected us more, but definitely like back in the day, if you told like a British person to describe Dracula, it would look more like Christopher Lee yeah. than Bela Lugosi, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I, I thinking back, like I I don't think I've ever seen this movie before. I watched it for this, but um, I remember Christopher Lee as Dracula. Like I remember, you yeah. know, as a kid, like I that like he was like probably the Dracula I equated him most with, just because he was what in like seven movies seven areas he is the he is the dracula he's the actor to portray dracula in films the most most, out of any of them bell lugosi for being so iconically kind of tied Mm -hmm. to it only ever showed up as dracula in two different movies and one of them's a comedy movie (laughs) like abbott and costello meets frankenstein in the original dracula and then yeah. he kind of played like other vampirish roles but it's got to be by far i can't think of any other actor that's played dracula more than once right yeah yeah like i don't Frank Langella was just the one. Yeah, all those were all just one-offs. Yeah, yeah. like it's it's basically just Bela Lugosi who played him twice and then yeah, Christopher Lee who played him like a, a ton of times. I guess John Carradine in the later Universal movies played him twice. Okay. So there's been like spatterings, yeah. but... Yeah, but definitely Christopher Lee's the... He's the record most, holder, yeah. of course. He's oddly, I think he's the record holder for just being in most movies, period. Like he's like had a lead role or something in like 244 movies. That makes total sense because he's just been acting forever quite the resurgence in the past like you know later in his life oh star wars and uh, lord of the rings Um, totally which is pretty cool like i'm sure christopher lee was cast in in star wars because like you know just to kind of like link it with peter cushing i feel yeah and he probably did that to kind of honor his friend yeah a little bit and it's kind of weird for people you know shitting on the prequels as much as they do and the star wars prequels aren't good i'm Mm -hmm. not defending them but it is kind of interesting that those kind of create the last peter cushing christopher lee collaboration Uh because they were in a ton of movies together not always on screen together as in dracula they only show up together for like the very end of the movie basically right right. but they They were were good friends 
they were very good friends. They had like horror's most like notorious bromance. Oh, that's great. Where it's like, it's like um, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. They were like that back in the yeah. day, kind of. Yeah, because they met on Curse of Frankenstein, and like uh, Christopher Lee tells a story in interviews where he got the script to Curse of Frankenstein, and he had no lines in it. So Christopher Lee barged into Peter Cushing's dressing room, was kind of just, like bitching. He's like, "I got the script. I have no lines." And Peter Cushing said something like, "Be thankful. I've read the script." And that's oh. he was like that was the perfect thing to say to me right then and they became best friends and they oh, were in great. ton of tons of movies together always oh. called each other on the phone to talk to each other that's adorable I love it it's it's so adorable there's video <laughs> online of like their last meeting in like 1994 right before Peter Cushing died uh-huh. uh, where they were talking about Hammer or something and they're both like laughing and giggling and stuff and. And they, that stuff. <laughs> they, like Christopher Lee said in an interview that they, uh, they bonded over cartoon movies. Like they both loved Looney Tunes. Oh wow! So like, uh, like they would just be like on set telling each other stories about their favorite <laughs> Looney Tunes episodes, and then like, and then Christopher Lee would like quote like Sylvester, and yeah. like Peter Cushing would crack up and. He said that one time they went to go see an animated movie together and got kicked out of the movie theater because they were being too loud and they were like quoting the cartoon <laughs> characters. So I'm just trying to picture like someone like you're watching like what's a cartoon movie that came out in like the 60s? I don't know. You're watching like like, like Sleeping funny. Beauty or, yeah. or yeah, like or something funny. Yeah, like I don't know, like Robin Hood. <laughs> and you just hear like these two old men in the back imitating all the characters and everything. And the Usher goes in the back and it's fucking Dracula and Van Helsing. <laughs> yeah. So oh yeah, so if you if you need to read about a, a good friendship uh, mm. among two elderly gentlemen, that's a that's a good one. That would be a good movie to do too. Just a uh, movie about their friendships. That's, that's let's start writing that. We've come up with a couple ideas. <laughs> because you you can't really do a yeah. We've come up with a lot of good like movie pitches for things related to Dracula, but yeah. not Dracula. Not Dracula. Uh, you couldn't really make a movie of Christopher Lee's life because some of it. So much of it's classified because he's been in the army and he won't talk about like what he's done. But Did he could he make a movie into, about that. He got into like metal music towards the end of his life. I think he put okay. out a metal album. So Christopher Lee has a badass and amazing life. Yeah, he fought in like I think like both World War One and two. I want to say like he's wow. fought for like two different armies. He's had like honors from several countries. He was president like the one of the last public executions by guillotine in France. He was what? He was present. He at was it? present at it. He's Holy seen shit. a man beheaded by guillotine at like seventeen years old. Jesus Christ! And uh, and yeah, and, at, and he kept on acting like right up until the end of his life. At eighty mm-hmm. years old, he put out a metal album. Yeah. Because he's related to Charlemagne, and so he just put out a whole metal album about Charlemagne <laughs> at eighty. <laughs> so interesting. He's, he's so fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so that's a little bit about Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, and they were in yeah like a bunch of movies together, and uh, but they were both also concerned about like being typecast. Like Peter Cushing didn't really like that he was only seen for horror roles, and Christopher Lee was so notoriously kind of put off by being associated with horror that he left England for Hollywood oh, wow. in like '77 under the advice of Billy Wilder, who said if you don't leave, you'll only be asked to do like Hammer type movies for the rest of your career. So he left, and he kind of was in, you know, stuff like Man with the Golden Gun. And, oh, that's uh, right, yeah. He started doing, I think he was in, like, one of the airport movies or something. And he starts, like, doing roles like that. Airplane? He, yeah, like, well, he was, asked to, he was asked to play the Leslie Nielsen role in Airplane, actually. Oh, wow. And he turned it down, and Leslie Nielsen took it. And Christopher <laughs> Lee said he regretted doing that. Christopher Lee also said he, he was offered the role of uh, Dr. Loomis in the original Halloween, and he turned that down because oh. he was so averse to doing horror at that point, and he said he really regretted turning God, that down, too. That would have been such a great role for him. God, I know, right? <clears throat> 
Not that Donald Pleasance doesn't do a great job in I that love movie, but, <laughs> he's but yeah. so great. Uh, uh, but I mean, he would do occasional horror movies. He was in Howling Three or mm-hmm. Howling Two. Your sister is a werewolf, whichever one that is. Oh, so he would pop up in horror things every now and again. Still, I've never but seen that movie. <laughs> Not really. Oh, it's 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 bananas. It's. I'm it's, just looking at his filmography real quick. In 1979, he was in a movie, Captain America Two: Death Too Soon. It was a made-for-TV Captain America movie. Okay. Yes. Was that the Captain America with like the motorcycle? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He played General Christopher Lee. Played General Miguel. He was a freelance revolutionary terrorist. <laughs> God, this guy's had quite the career. That's insane. But yeah, he was definitely, though, toward the end of his career, like, even right up until the end, like, he kind of got bitter toward Dracula. Like, he said often that, like, when people are like, you're such an iconic Dracula, he's like, it was only because no one had played him right up until that point. Yeah. And he was asked to come back for all the sequels, and you can see in some of the sequels that he's kind of, like, phoning it in (laughs) as they go along. Like, I think one of the sequels he was only in just because, like, um, the producer said that he had already sold it to the American distributors under the you know, under the fact that, like, Christopher Lee was going to star in it, and uh-huh. that if Christopher Lee said now that he wasn't going to star in it, he'd put, like, 90 people out of work. <laughs> and Christopher Lee just felt so bad and didn't want to put 90 people out of work that he just starred in the movie. Oh my God. He sounds like a genuinely nice guy. Oh, yeah. like in... Sounds like the Keanu Reeves of his time or something. <laughs> he, he does. <laughs> Have you heard that about Keanu Reeves? Oh, yeah, that he's just, just like, like, super nice to he's everybody. He's just, like the, like, the most, like, he's just, like, such a mensch and... He doesn't talk about it at all. Yeah, like, I think there's, like, a whole subreddit dedicated to how nice Keanu Reeves is. It's all just, like, stories about, like, I met Keanu Reeves on a train, and he gave me, like, such and such, and yeah. it's, like, stuff like that. Yeah. Keanu Reeves, see, I, you could say he was Keanu-esque, I guess. I yeah. guess that would be something you could say. God, I didn't realize they brought... So, I, I, I was into Lord of the Rings a lot, but, um, you know, Christopher Lee played Saruman in those movies. Yeah. I didn't realize that they brought him back for the Hobbit movies, because I could not get through the first Hobbit movie. Oh, God, <laughs> And no. I just gave up. I've seen the first Hobbit movie in theaters, and I, yeah, I've seen none of those sequels. I was so excited yeah, for the Lord of the Rings movies, and I just gave no shits about those Hobbit movies. Yeah, why? Uh, that's a whole other They podcast. They seem like they're speaking of phoning it in. Those seem like... Well, we're just stretching it out, man. That, the, that was a two-hour movie yeah. at max. And the fun fact about Christopher Lee relating to those movies is that he's the only actor in the Lord of the Rings movies to have actually met J.R.R. Tolkien in real life. Ooh. Which is cool. That's pretty And then there's that notorious story about him where um, he was being told, like, he was being stabbed in the back for that one scene in Return of the King, if you watch the extended edition. Uh And Christopher Lee told him, like, scream a certain way when he stabbed in the back. And Christopher Lee's like, I've seen a man stabbed in the back before. That's not how they sound when they're stabbed. And so Peter Jackson was like, okay, Christopher, just do your thing. (laughs) And so so when you watch... uh, Saruman getting stabbed in Lord of the Rings. Just know that the sound he's making is it's, accurate to yeah. how a man sounds when they're stabbed in the back. My goodness. How terrifying and badass. <laughs> so that wow. man was Dracula for a while. Crazy. And uh, so, yeah, so we, I guess from there we can get into Dracula's appearance and powers since we've kind of yeah, and then we'll get into, a little bit. We'll get into the plot a little bit, but it is an important distinction in this movie that, um, well, it's more his lack of powers because they yeah don't really show it he doesn't shapeshift at all they he, specifically mentioned that that's like a fantasy and that you know or like, it's like a misconception right like, right yeah um, he doesn't turn into a bat i don't think no they say that specifically on, on a phonograph record too yeah, i think garlic is really bad for him 
he's not a fan of garlic. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like his only real powers in this are that, like, well, he has fangs in this, which I think... Is this the first appearance of fangs that it we've seen in Dracula? Be. And, yeah. Or in like a, a pure adaptation of the of the first Dracula story. I mean, obviously there was like sequels to the original Dracula movies where fangs maybe show up. And in Nosferatu, does he just have like sharp teeth? I think he might just have sharp teeth in Nosferatu. Right. right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he's got the big fangs. This may or may not be one of the first appearances of, of fangs in a, a adaptation of just the original Bram Stoker Dracula mm-hmm. movie. And he's got kind of red eyes that are. I guess like contact lenses or something. Yeah, and he just kind of looks like a like a, a nasty monster guy. And he's got he's always got blood on his mouth too. He only well, yeah, not always, but like he'll just suddenly have blood. Like they show him a couple <laughs> yeah. times. He like you haven't seen him bite anyone. He just like the, they just cut to him and he's got blood all over his mouth. <laughs> it's like when like like when they were like dressing up uh, Christopher Lee like in between takes. Like some like the director was just like he doesn't look scary enough. Just put some blood on him. <laughs> we'll make him look spooky. It works. I mean, he is cre- he's great in this role. Like he, he's... he does feel a lot more kind of like... Because I always like when I thought of like the Christopher Lee Dracula, you picture Christopher Lee so suave and everything and that this is going to be a more suave Dracula. But this feels a lot more like book Dracula, how he's just kind of like creepy from the get-go. Because uh-huh. I mean, like he, he invites Jonathan Harker, you know, over to his castle. And, you know, you see him for a second where he's like, thank you for coming to my castle. And he, something seems kind of weird about him right from the get-go. Yeah. And uh, and then yeah, right after that, like like ten seconds into the movie, basically, like he's already turned into like a vampire once, and is like mm-hmm. chasing people and trying to bite people. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the movie, he kind of spins in the shadows, is more of like like a threat, like in the book, where he's kind of affecting the characters from afar, and they're yeah. kind of playing cat and mouse with them. Which they specifically mentioned, uh, and yeah, we'll get into that. There's a couple of of lines that I, I wrote down that I really like that kind of uh, that kind of set this adaptation of dracula apart from any other one and also just um it kind of like adds to the folklore of vampires in general which is really cool yeah totally uh but it is a really crazy movie and it's kind of campy and, <laughs> um so do you want to get into the um, plot? Well, well a couple more things i wanted to talk about dracula's appearance i wanted uh, to talk about like um well his outfit first of all it seems like yeah. the way dracula looks is almost kind of like they wanted to dress him up like the bella lugosi dracula but like christopher lee i know is like notorious a notorious bram stoker fan so it's like it seems uh-huh. like a kind of compromise between what dracula should look like in the book versus what the public already knows dracula to yep. look like because this Dracula has a unibrow, if you're looking carefully. Oh, really? At the beginning. Oh, I didn't notice that. Well, in the origi- in the 58 Dracula, I think in the sequels, they kind of just he just looks like Christopher Lee, whatever, and then they just like put yeah. him in his costume. He's got the slick back hair. He's got the slick back hair, and it's kind of like white around the edges, uh-huh. which looks spray painted on. But he's so he's kind of looking more like an older Dracula, like Dracula is yeah. in the book. Doesn't have the mustache, but how old was Christopher Lee in this? Well, he was. He only started. He only started acting when he was like twenty five because he had done all like his fighting and war service and everything by then. Right. So he was. I he was mean, he was probably like in his thirties. So uh, yeah, like thirty, uh, thirty six. So. That's kind of crazy to think he that looks like way older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they make him up to look way older. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and he's kind of dressed. He's dressed in like a suit. But it's like, because I think in Dracula, the book, he's only described as just wearing all black, which kind of Nosferatu interprets as like wearing a smock and then Bela Lugosi's dressed up like a stage magician, kind of. Uh And so this Dracula is kind of like wearing more like a suit, I guess, like a count would. Right. But he's he's not like a tie or like a a bow tie. Like it it doesn't it doesn't look like the Bela Lugosi Dracula, but it's kind of like in the same kind of vein. Right. I mean, he's got like a cape. Yeah, he's got a cape, but it doesn't have like the big high collar on it. I don't think. I think no, it's just no, a no. like a regular cape. 
Um, so yeah, so I guess that's that's all for. Oh yeah, and like, and I wanted to talk about his other power, which is uh, he just appears in people's doorways with like <laughs> with like a giant music sting and a snap zoom on him. Yeah, that feels yeah. like his only powers. Like people are going to sleep, and then he just shows up in a doorway, and the music goes, well, and then it like closes up on him. <laughs> oh yeah, I have a lot to talk about the score actually, but um, yeah, okay, no, that seems like so many. Like that's just how you lure Dracula. So you just open up your window. <laughs> Yeah, you just open up your window and then he just appears with a with a music sting and that's yeah. his main power, I guess. Yeah. All right, on to the plot. Okay, cool. So like right from the get-go, I was really confused because it says Peter Cushing in Dracula. And then it says like Christopher Lee as Dracula after that. So like for a split second, I was like, "Wait, is Peter Cushing Dracula in this?" And clearly, uh, he's not. Well, he's... did did you watch a print where it's just called Dracula, or because I got the Apple I TV one and it's called Horror of Dracula? Honestly, don't remember. Like... If it, I think it said Horror of Dracula on it. Because like that was something I noticed is that like it seems like there's extra titles maybe added for the American release because like yeah. the word Dracula appears on the screen like big like three times. You're like. We get it. We're watching Dracula. Right, right, right. Because it says, like, yeah, Peter Cushing in Horror of Dracula. Then think- Christopher Lee as Dracula. And then right. I think it says Dracula again, maybe for, like, the British title for Dracula. And then you get the close-up on the, on the, the coffin, coffin. That's, yeah, that says Dracula. Dracula. <laughs> and then someone throws blood at the screen, and then we cut to <laughs> so It's like, you're watching Dracula. Yeah. Do you got it yet? Bright red blood. Oh, this movie has the brightest, reddest blood of... I love that hammer-looking... It's great. Like, I mean, Technicolor blood. Visually, it looks it looks way more modern. Like, if I was just to watch this movie, I would have guessed it came out in, like, 72 or oh, something. Oh, it, it looks like, very 70s. Yeah, it's it's uh, the color palette and everything. Like, it's, like, the saturated colors, and it's... Uh, it's yeah, really like, cool. like, the blood doesn't look very real, but it, like, it almost looks grosser somehow, just mm-hmm. by how, like... It looks like... Yeah, it looks like it's, like, like, like soup or something. Right. So the movie starts with Jonathan Harker reading from his diary, and so sure enough, you're like, oh, okay, this is, you know, yeah. somewhat familiar. And this takes place in 1885, we should say. This isn't like the Bela Lugosi one that takes place in modern day. Right. And is, so, I I might have just missed something. Is Dracula's castle in Transylvania in this? I don't think so. I think it's like in a village, uh, like a uh, little bit out of the way from London. Right. Okay. Because it seems like, because the way that this movie kind of frames it up is that like it takes like a day or two to get to Castle Dracula, but it's not like, you know, the epic journey that like the book and some of the adaptations make it out to be getting over to him. Yeah. Oh, it says here it's a, it's in Germany. Yeah. So it's like, it's a little ways away, but it's not like, like a whole big right a whole big thing you know i would like to say yeah so it starts with him writing in his journal saying that he's taken a journey to castle dracula whose mm-hmm. castles in clausen clausenberg Berg or something like that and i know i knew this was going to be a very different adaptation of dracula because he has just regular carriage drivers mm-hmm. and then he just walks right up to dracula and he just castle. walks right up to dracula's <laughs> castle because as we've talked about in other episodes like in the book dracula Dracula's the guy himself who drives the carriage up, up to the castle drives him right up to the castle and yeah. nosferatu has that also in it where nosferatu drives the carriage in like a silly robin hood hat yeah and then bell lugosi uh drives the carriage in like his jason mraz hat yeah and uh so this just has normal carriage drivers and he walks he just walks right into dracula's castle and i should say this is the most like this is the cleanest castle yeah. we've seen it's so a far. very groovy castle it's like very groovy it's like, very, very well decorated <laughs> had a good interior decorator there's like lots of tapestries and stuff hanging up around yeah, like it's it nice it reminds me a lot like it's it's 
it's kind of funny you said that like it feels like it's more 70s than 50s because when I was watching it like it felt like it's like when you watch like a clockwork orange and they show like the interiors of the houses and they just look like just like way too groovy kind yeah, of yeah yeah totally it's got it's They're got kind of like, like a pop art like you'd think Andy Warhol lived there or something yeah and it, like lots of like weird earth tony colors you mm-hmm. know like the like the snot green and rust orange and robin's egg blue like all those weird 70s colors that were big and yeah but art deco you know kind of patterns yeah. and so, yeah like dracula's castle looks very visually interesting it's a great set right but like the similarities to the book stop like right there basically pretty much it's a very different story like we said it's very much in the spirit of the original bram uh-huh. stoker book but the story and is a lot of the very different names are carried over but they're all very different and they're all mushed um, together in yeah, very different ways separate so yeah so dracula so basically the plot is that uh but Jonathan, well, at first you think Jonathan Harker is there to work as Dracula's librarian. Librarian, yeah, to like doc to go through and like archive the things in his castle. And he walks in, and uh, is it even before Dracula shows up? Some woman comes up to him. Yeah, like, like Dracula just leaves a note out saying like, "Welcome to my castle. Make yourself at home. I left some food out." Yeah, and then some some uh, some woman comes in, some young attractive bombshell walks uh, <laughs> in, and she warns him that she's being held prisoner. By Dracula. Yeah, and that she wants him to save her. Yeah. Um, And she's more or less the bride of Dracula in this one. Dracula in other adaptations has three brides. He kind of just has the one. Yeah, kind of what they're hinting at. But they're also, she seems like she's just a total prisoner there, which she says as much, actually. Yeah. Um, Then Dracula shows up. After she like runs off or something, so he's like, "Huh, that was weird." So they do. Well, he shows up at the top of the stairs, and she kind of runs away. Oh, like he scares right, her right, off, right. and that's why she stops explaining. Like, because he's like, "Why? Why do you need to be free?" And then she kind of like freaks out and runs off, and he turns around, and Dracula's at the top of the stairs yeah. behind him, in and a then, great reveal shot. Oh, amazing! Where there's like fog coming out behind him, uh-huh. and he's just at the top of the stairs. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, and then so Dracula leads him up to his bedroom, I guess, and then that's where. He finds out he sees the picture of Lucy. So Jonathan Harker is engaged to Lucy in this. Yeah, one. Lucy. Oh God, what's how did what are the names? It's like Homewood. Lucy Homewood is uh-huh. what her name is in this one. Yeah, and yeah. she you know, is Homewood, the Homewood. sister of Arthur Homewood, which in the book Arthur Homewood is one of Lucy, whose last name is Westenra, I think, in the book. Yeah, he's like one of her suitors, but in this one, he's her brother. Her brother, and then Mina played is... by Martha Mar- Michael Gow, who is yeah. Alfred. Alfred shows up in the original Tim Burton Batman movie. Yeah, and then Mina is and Alfred's. Yeah, he plays he plays Alfred from Batman through Batman, Batman and Robin. Robin. Yeah, the one constant him and Commissioner, Commissioner Gordon. Gordon. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, and he's married to Mina, who is, I guess. Not even kind of yeah, related to Jonathan Harker in this thing. Yeah, and they seem to be close or have a. They seem to be like their their friends. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how yeah they're all related. And Dracula sees her picture and he's like, "Oh, who's this?" And he kind of briefly explains what's going on. And, right, but then as soon as I think as soon as Dracula leaves, you kind of get the idea that Jonathan Harker is like there for some reason other than just being his. Uh, his librarian yeah so, so it's like jonathan harker is like a vampire hunter in this <laughs> yeah like he opens up his journal again and he writes down he's like i've made it into the castle he's accepted me as his librarian now i have to destroy him so Hold this him. so this one's like kind of interesting in that there's very little convincing of people that there are vampires in this kind yeah, of just yeah. everyone accepts right from the get-go that like oh there are vampires like yeah yeah, yeah. 
Um, and it's kind of interesting that he's there, like, in a capacity to hunt vampires, because as we've talked about a lot in the past, Jonathan Harker is kind of like the n- notorious dumbass of the Dracula universe. And he's, he's dumb in this one, too. Where he kind of just, like, stumbles into things. But, like, at least this, it seems like there's a purpose, and you can kind of get why he's going in. He, like, he knows he's going into danger, yeah. in a way. And, oh, did I don't know if you noticed this, but when Dracula walks up the stairs, he does, like, two steps at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but he does the thing, like, when you're, like, getting off the train, and you're trying to, like, get but away from do- the crowd. It's great, because he doesn't look like he's rushing he just looks like he's going up the stairs very quickly because like the cape is covering his feet my legs are very long (laughs) i can take more than one step at a time um but yeah and also i don't know if you noticed this either but when he's in the bedroom uh when jonathan and dracula are in the bedroom you can actually see the breath on their mouths oh i didn't know so i think they must have it's a cool effect if it wasn't just like the heating broke on the set. <laughs> they were probably just real cold. It, yeah. like, it must have been extremely uncomfortable. You could see breath. Like that's that's got to be really cold if you're indoors. I mean, this is like an English independent film made in the late fifties. I yeah. can't imagine working conditions were wonderful. <laughs> were <super great>. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was cool. Um, um, all but the y- women have mullets in this movie. Did you notice that? <laughs> You know, I didn't while I was watching, but now that I think back, yeah, there's Every a lot of female character, <laughs> and like they're all like attractive uh, actors, but like they all have mullets. <laughs> they, they have like the like the Paul McCartney from the Wings era yeah, kind of totally. like mullet. It's long and braided in the back, but it's just all short and like shaggy in the front. Uh, <laughs> this is an, a good way to like alternately remember this Dracula when you talk about it to people instead of referring it to the as the Christopher Lee Dracula, just call it like the mullet the Dracula. <laughs> well, with all the mullets in it. So yeah, I mean, pretty much. So we're all only like maybe seven, eight minutes in, and it's clear. Yeah, this movie moves at like a breakneck pace. Yeah, it's clear. Like, oh, this is not this. Like, they they took a lot of liberties with the plot, um, which is cool. Like, I still like I like the plot. It is it is fun to watch. And I like where they yeah. go with it. Yeah, and it makes it interesting too if you're someone who's like super familiar with Dracula that you can kind of watch like a variation of it, mm-hmm. or if you happen to be making a podcast where you've had to watch the same exact story over and over like five or six times. Yeah, that you get kind of like a little bit of a different take on it you're like yeah oh, yeah. Like. yeah it's cool it's cheesy too i mean it's, we should say that the score oh, yeah. the score is ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> like it's so over the top like someone just had to tell this guy like yeah this, you know take it down a notch <laughs> every time dracula shows up it's a big deal right like you can make like, it a little bah, bit more subtle <laughs> yeah it's crazy uh, there's none of that subtle like Philip Glass like hypnotic shit no, here. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Things like in your face. Yeah, and it, it really does. This movie does really treat Dracula as like a he's almost like a like a Jason type monster, like uh-huh. a little bit like the vibe of him. Yeah, yeah. So t- t- Jonathan Harker like his first like attempt to hunt Dracula. Like, he finds where his coffins are, or whatever. Um, Which I should say in this one, we, we've talked about Dracula's coffin situation in other episodes. How yeah. in the original one he has like 50 boxes and how he has like That's, like five yeah. boxes or something Maybe in Nosferatu. No mention of that in this. Yeah, nothing like, about Transylvanian soil, like no, nothing. Dracula well, can, seems like he can kind of come and go as he pleases. Well, right? he has his travel coffin that shows up right. once or twice. And then in his home, like it's 
like I thought it was funny like when I looked at him it looks like he's like buried in like a big flower planter kind of like <laughs> yeah. in the bottom of his castle because I do think he does have soil in his coffin he in does this one. Like, yeah because they look- show uh, yeah they show Van Helsing put the, the cross in it later in the movie but yeah um, and, it, and it's got like just an, an open top like there's lots of people yeah. just buried in like open kind of flower planter looking things yeah they in just this. sleep out in the open which well alright so like <laughs> so Jonathan Harker like he go, he finds them both sleeping the prisoner lady vampire and yeah. uh, and Dracula and he goes for the prisoner he goes to kill the prisoner yeah. first that that was that was his big dumbass moment in those because I said that to myself too I'm like yeah kill Dracula for he's gonna wake up I when know, you do that yeah. like, and then it's clearly the, you know Harker doesn't know a ton about vampires like. <laughs> He should have known if you killed Dracula first, then the other one would have died. Yeah, well, that, right? seem, that seems like a pretty logical conclusion. And like, or, or at the very <laughs> least, you should just go like, okay, like if I kill one of these and the other one wakes up, who will be the easier to fight off? A young woman yeah. or this like six foot five like motherfucker with like a, a unibrow and like the red bulgy eyes. Like. Yeah, so he kills the woman first and it's actually really cool. I love the effect it is cool this uh, is and this i think in at least in our podcast series is the first time we see an actual staking in one of these movies uh yeah because yeah you don't see it in, in, a, in the bell in the bell when he kind of just moans off screen and that's right. how he dies i mean you know that that's what happens but yeah they don't show it in yeah. this one they they show it up close and personal um and there's then lots she, of great neon blood just lots of flinging blood. in the air and uh, yeah, you see her screaming and everything. It's really cool. And then she turns into an old lady, which I <laughs> yeah, <loved. laughs> awesome. And they don't even like try to put like old age makeup on her. They just go get an actual old lady just and just like replace her in the coffin with a stake in her chest. I don't know if you I don't know if you noticed this, but you can see this lady breathing every time they cut to her. <laughs> yeah. She made no attempt, and it's like for short shots too. Like she could have held her. Held yeah. Uh, but yeah, you see her, uh, like you don't have to be on camera long, Phyllis. Just can you keep it together for a minute? For not fuck's even. sake, five seconds. Christopher Peter fucking cushions in this movie, Phyllis. <laughs> Get your A game together. Come on. Was her name really Phyllis? Or no, I'm just making. She just looks like a Phyllis. I don't know. <laughs> it says Valerie Gaunt is vi- vampire woman. I don't know if that's the young one or the old one. Probably the young one. I think the young one probably. Yeah. They they didn't bother putting her name in the Wikipedia because she couldn't just fucking do her one job. Yeah, I like that. It's what like, you get, Phyllis. I like that. I'm actress. sorry we're being so. If Phyllis's family is listening to this, <laughs> we're so we're sorry. we're so sorry. We do. We're we just love, making jokes. Yeah, I mean, we love her work though. I, we, I, we love, <laughs> love we love her work. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he kills that woman, and then Dracula wakes up, and then just like. He bolts. He's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> it's like they—they they found me. They're on to me. Well, well. After he stakes the one woman, he turns around to get Dracula, and he goes over to Dracula's flower planter, and he looks inside, yeah. and Dracula's gone. And yeah. Then Dracula's just standing at the top of the stairs, and you're like, "And that was a genuinely kind of creepy shot." I thought, like when he's just at the top of the stairs, and he kind of—it's like a very David Lynch shot where he's like far away, and he starts—he just looks menacing at Harker, and he starts like moving toward the camera, and then it right. like goes dark. Does it? And he gets bit there, right? I. Well, I, I think so, because it all just kind of goes dark, and then I think we cut right. to just Van Helsing. Right, right, right. Okay, cool. But yeah. we know that he's been attacked by Dracula at this point in the story. Yeah, Parker so that's, that's like the first 15 minutes that we described. Just yeah, um, and that's also probably the most Dracula's in this movie. Yeah, I was also really confused, because the guy playing Harker, I, I mean, I, I obviously knew what Peter Cushing looked like, but 
because they gave him top billing, I was like, wait, is this is this what Peter Cushing looked like? Because the guy <laughs> does, like, you can kind of see, like, some kind of resemblance between Oh, you them. thought Harker was Peter Cushing? Yeah, but briefly. And then I was like, no. Nah, and then, and then you know, Peter Cushing shows yeah. up. It's like, oh, yeah, of course. That's Peter Cushing right there. Yeah, Peter Cushing is kind of like one of those people who just kind of, like, looked the same forever. Like, yeah. if you look up stills from, like, the Laurel and Hardy movie, if you're curious what Peter Cushing looked like when he was younger, it's the exact same as Grand Moff Tarkin with just darker hair. <laughs> He's also like skeletal, I mean, like again, angular face of his. And... Literally the second movie I've seen Peter Cushing in. So, um. <laughs> which speaking of Grandma Tarkin, I do just want to tell this one story because in the Christopher Lee interview I watched, he said that like he called him on the set of Star Wars and he was like, "What is a Grandma Tarkin, Peter?" <laughs> and Peter was like, "My dear boy, I haven't the foggiest." <laughs> so Van Helsing shows up at the tavern. The tavern. I have a lot of complaints about this restaurant, but <laughs> keep going. <laughs> but uh, but he shows up, and we should say that Van Helsing in this version of Dracula is this is sort of where we start to get uh like vampire hunter Van Helsing from because yeah. Van Helsing and the other depictions in the book and everything he's more just like a like a doctor that knows a lot about a lot of things up to and including vampires, mm-hmm. and he's kind of just depicted as like an elderly guy. But he's kind of like learning along the way. He's yeah. kind of learning along the way, and he's yeah. a little bit skeptical kind of too. But like in, in Nosferatu. Too. He's only in it for like three seconds where mm-hmm. he talks about like Venus flytraps and then he just like shows up at the very end and he's not helpful. And then yeah. of course in you know the Bell Lugosi Dracula, he's a little old man with a guile haircut. Yeah, yeah. This is clearly like they were like, Oh yeah, let's just make Van Helsing the star, which yeah. is cool. I like And it. they kind of combine a, all the take. Oh, totally. And there's a lot of vampire hunting in the original Dracula, and it feels that they kind of shove all those like, you know, the the Texas cowboy character and all those like young Uh men characters all kind of into van helsing and he's very specifically like in a cult you know person and doctor yeah and it's you know like because again in the other ones you know it's like he was like a medical doctor and all this other stuff and it just happens that he knows a lot of vampire things but here he is like very specifically when he's in his study and he's like working he's like talking onto wax cylinders about vampires Mm -hmm. and he's like smoking his pipe and reading books about the occult and Uh But he shows up in this uh, tavern looking for Jonathan Harker, and we kind of get introduced to him. Yeah. And um, then he eventually makes his way up to Dracula's castle. Yeah. Where that, we... <laughs> the restaurant, though. Oh, yeah. It's like a piece of shit restaurant. <laughs> you know, there's, like, garlic hanging everywhere because they're, like, terrified of vampires. Yeah. And there's no music playing. Like, the ambiance is, like, all weird. <laughs> But uh, and this is the first appearance of garlic in any of our Dracula movies so far. Is it okay? Because in Bell Lugosi so. Dracula, it was Wolfsbane that they used. Right. Remember? Okay, so this was this created the garlic. This is because garlic's not mentioned in the book, is it? Uh, well, it is mentioned in the oh, book. Oh, it is. So this is the first. Okay. This is the first film right. version of it we've seen. Okay. At least an original Dracula adaptation. Like I said, I'm not sure if when you're looking into like other vampire movies that are made and right. like sequels to the Bela Lugosi Dracula, it may have shown up earlier. But as yeah. far as like big adaptations of the original story, this is the first time we see and garlic. They make a big deal about garlic in this one too. Yes, um, very it seems much to so. Be, well, that and crosses seem to be like Dracula's biggest biggest weaknesses. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway. But so yeah, Peter Cushing goes up to Dracula's castle where he sees a hearse leaving. And he just walks right in. He just walks right in. <laughs> Dracula does not lock his doors. Same thing with Harker, he just walked right in. Yeah. Just, well, I think Dracula's left by this point, because remember, like, you see the hearse leaving Dracula's castle, right. so I think Dracula's in there with his coffin, so he's already 
right. left to go because what we find out later in the story is that Dracula, Dracula has very clear motivations in the story that I like, is that Dracula's bride is killed by Jonathan Harker. Uh-huh. He knows about Jonathan Harker's fiance from the photograph. Right. So he goes to the village where Jonathan Harker lived to go abduct his fiance to replace the bride that he had taken from him yeah. and to also kind of take revenge on Jonathan Harker posthumously. Right. So, but he doesn't, you know, fuck with boats and all that kind of shit. Yeah, like in the no, no boat. He just yeah. takes a car. <laughs> like, well, no, like, well, I, I guess it's a, well, this is the 1800s. It's a, like, it's a hearse. Like, it's like a horse carriage yeah. still. Yeah. But it's a, but yeah, it's a real direct line from Dracula's castle to where everybody else is. Yeah, yeah. There's, that's why I was wondering if the castle was even in Transylvania. It yeah. It doesn't seem like it's too far. So the castle's more or less, um more or less unoccupied except for one person because peter cushing barges right in he goes back down to where dracula's flower planter is yeah and now (laughs) and now jonathan harker's asleep in it right and he's like oh shit and does does he stake harker right there he does doesn't he i i think so maybe they don't show it but i know when he definitely comes back yeah because yeah after that scene we're introduced to all the other characters that right. we just talked about which is basically like so yeah no i don't know if the, i can't remember if they show him staking but yeah he clearly killed him he clearly Adam, kills him because he doesn't show up again and he tells everyone when he comes back that jonathan's dead yeah and then he cremated him and that he, and he doesn't get into much detail and he's yeah he goes back to tell uh they yeah. haven't even told lucy yet yeah so we're, we're introduced to the the homewoods at this point which is mina homewood and Arthur Homewood, played yeah. by Michael Gow. Yeah, Alfred plays Arthur, and then his wife is Mina, and then Lucy, who's Jonathan's fiance, is in bed and she's sick. Yeah, with something. And and they they're like trying to figure out how to tell her. And I gotta yeah. say, Mina does not seem like she's taking this too seriously. No, they're they're all real, they're all real mad at Van Helsing more yeah. than they are like sad that Jonathan's dead cuz yeah, Van Helsing comes in and they don't really know who he is, but he's just like I know that, you know, Lucy's engaged to Jonathan Harker and I wanted to come here to tell you that he's dead. Yeah. And that and they're like, and "Well, they're how did he die?" Understandably like skeptical. They they yeah, they're like, "How did he die?" And he's like, "I can't really get into like much details, but he's dead." Right. And Arthur, so Arthur is Lisa's uh Lucy's sister in this, right? Or brother, yeah. A oh, brother, brother, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and they're and yeah, and they're just kind of pissed off at Van Helsing. They're like, get out, you know. Van Helsing's like, do you want me to tell Lucy? And they're like, no, we'll tell Lucy. Yeah. And they kind of just go like, scram, Van Helsing, get out of here. <laughs> and then they don't tell Lucy at all, right? Because she's sick or whatever, and they don't want to, you know. Yeah. Which, which, talking spiritually, how this kind of feels more like the book kind of goes back to like in Dracula the book. There's a lot of scenes where people need to tell other people information, but their hearts are too weak and they can't take. I'm like, <laughs> who are all these people that, that can't handle like simple information or they're like, I get that you're like sick, but like if there's vampires going around, you want people to know like who's ill, who's yeah. dying, like yeah. And you pretty quickly find out Lucy's a vampire. Like they turn, you see her the thing bites on her neck. Yeah. Um, so Dracula, yeah, starts showing up at Lucy's window and drinking her blood shown the with fang- music stings. Yeah. Have they shown the fang bites before? Have we seen this yet? In- this might be, well... The Bella Lugosi one, I can't remember. We may, we may have... No, I, I think that I think that they reference fang bites in the right. Bella Lugosi one where they look at people's necks. There's a lot of telling, not showing in the Bella Lugosi one, yeah. so there may have been reference to them, but I think this may be the first time we see physical fang bites, yeah. maybe. Don't quote me on that one for this, but I think you might be right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so so Lucy's already been bitten, and you 
she's kind of like luring Dracula to her bedroom by you know opening up the window, yeah, and waiting. <laughs> and uh, and something how how does it happen that Van Helsing kind of comes back into the fray because Lucy starts getting sick and then Van Helsing comes back in and he tells them to like put garlic up around her room to keep her windows shut. Yeah, and no matter how much she complains, don't take the flowers out. And then the, that night, like, Lucy wigs the fuck out and, like, smacks the garlic off her counter and tells her nurse to open the windows and take the flowers out. And the nurse is like, okay, even though someone just explicitly told her not to do not that, to do like, that, yeah. 20 minutes ago. And then Dracula gets in and drinks her blood and kills her. Yeah, and there was a cool, um, I liked how uh, Van Helsing draws a parallel between being a vampire and being a drug addict. Yeah, that was cool. Because he says something like, basically, like you're consumed. Like it's, it's like they. He describes Lucy as being like a shell, and she's really just consumed by the power of Dracula, or yeah. being, you know, power of being a vampire. Um, but that, like, drawing the parallel between it being like an addiction for them, which is really cool. I like that. Yeah, you very um, much get the feel a lot from this that, like, the vampires, like, don't enjoy being vampires. Yeah. Like, there's some adaptations where, like, the vampires more kind of gleefully are killing and, you know, going about their, their vampire stuff. And some where they're more kind of torn about it. And this is definitely more on the torn end, except for, you know, Dracula, who's just kind of monstrous through yeah. and through, which is very much in keeping with the book. Yeah. Yeah, so Lucy, uh, Lucy dies, I guess. Yeah. And uh, and we find out at this point, well, well, there's the the housekeeper who lets her die. She has a child in this named Tanya. Yeah. Who is a completely original creation for this story. Thought so. Uh, <laughs> um, and she's the one who's kind of like, she gets like brought in by a police officer one night, and mm -hmm. you know, and they're like, "Tell us what you told, you know, tell your parents what you told the police." And Tanya's like, "I was lured out of my house by a lady, and then she took me over to like, like the woods or something, and then like another guy showed up, and the lady I was with, she ran away, mm -hmm. which is kind of keeping with the book, the blue for lady almost, right? And uh, and they're like, they're like, well, who was it that took you around? And she's like, Aunt Lucy, and everyone's like, whoa, yeah. Uh, yeah, so then they find out she's, like, kind of just prancing around as a vampire, right? Yeah, and so, yeah, so that night, Alfred goes to, uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna keep calling him Alfred. Yeah. Alfred goes to Lucy's tomb, and when he gets there, he sees that, well, he goes at night, and so I guess when he gets there, he sees that she's not there, and he kind of encounters her, like, up and walking around. Yeah. And, uh, Van Helsing shows up at the last second with, like, a crucifix to kind of ward Lucy off. Mm -hmm. Before she, her, before she, you know, eats Alfred, head. yeah, burns yeah. her head. And then he tells them, you know, that we're going to have to wait until the day when she's asleep and we'll come back and stake her for good. Mm -hmm. And then they do and they come back and we get a great staking scene again. Yeah. And when she, but, but they don't, she's not an old lady, obviously. <laughs> she doesn't turn into an old lady. She looks like just very pretty after that. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess it's just you turn into whatever age you would be. Yeah. Like if you weren't a vampire. So I guess that the, the first lady was just like a lot older. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he stakes her and then afterwards, uh, tells Alfred, like, come look at her face. And she looks like she's at peace. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like, I kind of like giggled at that because I'm just picturing him, him looking down slightly from that and seeing just like this open wound in her chest. I'm like, how can she look like she's at peace? She has a fucking piece of wood jutting out of her <laughs> abdomen. Like, but in the face, yeah, she doesn't look like a vampire anymore. Yeah. So I guess that's what matters. <laughs> right. And there's no beheadings or anything. No. 
so then the focus kind of cuts like dracula's not in the movie after that for quite some time no not really now it turns into uh van helsing and and alfred like teaming up it's like a buddy (laughs) it's like a buddy movie. yeah so and this kind of feels like the novel too they kind of team up and they're like uh dracula has a coffin somewhere in the city we have to team up and find it which feels like in the book when they kind of start teaming up to track down all of dracula's different boxes yeah and uh and at this point dracula who's now been denied two different uh brides decides to start targeting mina mm-hmm. alfred's wife and start drinking her blood mm-hmm. and we see throughout you know the rest of this movie that she gets the marks on her neck and starts turning yeah. vampiric and they're trying to hunt down his coffin and uh i forget what happens i well i guess it's 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 revealed at one point that like the the housekeeper's like they ask her to do something and the housekeeper's like, oh, I can't go against Miss Mina's wishes. They're like, what do you mean? She's like, well, she told me under no circumstances to ever go in the basement. Right. And then they go down the basement. And I guess like Dracula's hypnotized everybody so much that he's just able to keep his coffin in their house. Yeah. And they just never even noticed. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. And, and also Mina does a really bad like she's constantly covering up her neck. I can't believe none yeah. of them are like, what, like, why do you keep wearing? There's a lot of there's a lot of creative <laughs> scarf use in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was that was really funny. And then it was like they put that cross into her hand and it like instantly burns her. Yeah. And so. I think that's one of the first time. Well, do we see any like I think when they put the crucifix in someone's hand in the Bela Lugosi Dracula, isn't there a cross I mark? Feel afterwards? Like, yeah, I think that like a bad like digital, like a bad for the time special effect or something in right. her hand for it. I mean, I like the effect in this because like, you know, obviously like they just put the cross on, like they put the makeup on underneath and then they just lift the cross. Did I, did, burn. was I the only one that noticed like every single time, like when they have the cross against her forehead, like there's like a hesitation at the beginning, like they're making sure that it's lined up perfectly with the scar. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. when they take it off, it looks like <laughs> both shots where that happens. Yeah. There's like a brief hesitation where they're, they're lining it up just right, right before right. they, you know, do the thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so yeah, they find Dracula's coffin in the basement of their fucking house, and and Van Helsing puts a crucifix in the coffin, which feels like in the book when he puts the communion wafers in coffins to keep Dracula from taking them back. Yeah, and they're like Dracula can't use his coffin anymore, and then somehow through I don't remember what Dracula just straight up abducts Mina and takes her back to his castle, mm-hmm. and then Alfred and Van Helsing follow Dracula back. And then we kind of get the final confrontation at Dracula's castle. Which is very cool. Oh, Dracula dies in a fucking awesome way yeah. in this movie. Yeah, I really like the last act of this film. Because, like, Dracula comes back after not seeing him like, <laughs> You don't forever. see him for a while. And then he shows up again to abduct Mina and goes back to his castle. And yeah. then we get a nice little scene at the end where Christopher Lee and Dracula are finally on... Or Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing and Dracula, and Dracula yeah, yeah. are finally on screen together. And you get that showdown that you want. Yeah. Yeah, which does cool. which doesn't go on nearly as long as you want, but there's I know because this is a pretty short movie. It's only eighty minutes long. Yeah. Uh, and interestingly, Dracula doesn't die by staking in this, right? Yeah, he. Uh, it's He's, great. Van Helsing just pulls down the curtains on him. Yeah, he notices that like the sunlight's coming up and the curtains are drawn and like this big like I guess it's like the like the eating hall or whatever something like that. Yeah, yeah. Thing. and he like jumps, jumps on, on the, the table, table and he runs across. <laughs> he rips the giant curtain down and Dracula falls down in like this big like weird zodiac wheel thing on the uh-huh. floor do you think peter cushing did his own stunt there <laughs> he, <laughs> he hops up on the table on the, on the curtain i'll give him credit and say he probably did that he looks like a spry old man it'd be funny if he did that and like the curtains just didn't fall like he just jumped he's like oh shit <laughs> i would love to see the outtakes from any of these movies i'm yeah. sure they have to be hilarious like <laughs> uh 
but yeah, Dracula's death scene is great in this because he, he just like melts away from the sun. Like he kind of turns into like ash, like his hands kind of like start turning like gray and then they like get all ashy and then they like crumble into nothing right. and, and then it, slowly, that happens to his legs. Yeah, and then his face gets all, he's just like dust. It's like a Last like Crusade his, kind of. Yeah, uh, it death. is kind of like that. And, like his hand, like ash blows away and there's just like his ring is just on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like it's. It's pretty. It's pretty gnarly. It's like if they made Avengers: Infinity War back then, like that. That would be the dust effect. That's like more disturbing than the Avengers: Infinity War <laughs> dust effect. Like, like visual effect stuff like that to me is always like, yeah, like in Infinity War, it like real. it's creepy. But yeah, like they turn in like digital sand and yeah. this. Like you're watching like it does just look like mannequin arms kind of a little bit, but just mm-hmm. something about it just feels more real. And I don't know if what version you had, but I went on YouTube and there's apparently like an extended ending because oh. London sent, cause like English censorship was like right, so right. weird for a while. I think they still are. I think clockwork Orange only recently became unbanned. Yeah. Like evil dead wasn't available for like the longest time yeah. over there. I know, but there's like an extra part in the death scene of Dracula where like he's tearing at his face and it's like ashy uh, on top and there's like red underneath and it's a cool effect that they apparently I did, did by like version. putting multiple layers of makeup on his face so that when he tore them away like there was like red underneath and like normal skin tones yeah and stuff. that's definitely was... not the version i saw because <laughs> uh it was like very um abrupt like he's still got his face and everything and then they cut and he's like you he's can see like his a mannequin eyes. head <laughs> because, yeah he's you like... can still see his eyes glowing which yeah. is really cool but he's like dust everywhere else he kind of he kind of looks like a like Jeff the skeleton from the Craig Ferguson show for a second, and then he like disintegrates all the way. So you're saying that that alternate versions on YouTube, like you can watch yeah, that? that that whole ending is. Cool. I think that only recently became commercially available. Like oh, that's cool. only very recently that that whole ending showed so up. So we'll have to uh, we'll recommend that everyone watch that, and we'll watch that after this. Yeah. Well, speaking of recommendations, I mean, would you just recommend this movie overall to people who are oh, interested yeah. in Dracula? And it's like- it's a very silly movie. Um, but I appreciate that about yeah. it. And it's like, you could tell like they, you know, all the actors care about it. <laughs> and, oh, uh, yeah. you know, as like kind of campy as it is. I mean, this was, it was 1958. Like it's even before like the, you know, like, like Batman, the sixties Batman was like, it was kind of like a, a, both a tribute and also like making fun of how ridiculous it is. Yeah. And I feel like this is definitely like the precursor to that style of, of like action. Um, where it's like it's like a tribute, like this is like kind of like a tribute to the Bela Lugosi version, but it's also like modernized, yeah. modernizing. It, it feels it's like it's almost kind of like the exploitation film version yeah. of like a Dracula exactly. movie. Yeah, and like in very much, and this was something that I noticed when I watched. Like it feels very much when like the women are bit in this that it's like they almost kind of want to be bit. Yeah, and it feels like very. It, this is the beginning of like the start of sort of like sexualization yeah, of the vampires yeah. themselves. Absolutely, because as we've talked about, Dracula is a very sexual book, but for none of the kind of Dracula related reasons. Right. And, uh, and this also has blood transfusions in it, we should say, yeah, which right. is a big thing in the book. Yeah. We get that for a second in this. When Who Alfred, does the blood tra- Alfred, Alfred does puts the his blood tra- into Mina's. Right, <laughs> We're just right. going to start calling them all by like character <laughs> names, like Grand Moff Tarkin. And <laughs> Grand Moff Tarkin and Alfred go up to the castle to fight Count Dooku, and then they... <laughs> But uh, so you would recommend this movie? As well? I would recommend it. I thought it was really good. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend many of the sequels. I I should say. Yeah. So there's a lot of sequels which I've not seen. There's anymore. a lot of sequels. I watched two of them in preparation for this because there's there's a bunch of them. And we I'm can... assuming Peter Cushing is the constant in all of those. Well, they it's kind of interesting because they they only show up together in like there's like seven of these movies overall. There's mm-hmm. there's Dracula. There's the Brides of Dracula. There's Dracula Prince of Darkness. There's Dracula has risen from the grave taste the blood of dracula 
Scars of Dracula. These all came out two years apart, by the way. Dra- yeah. <laughs> they were just cranking these. Yeah, Dracula, it's 80, kind of like, 1972. Well, this is also around the time where James Bond was becoming popular. So I think that, I'm sure that that had some kind yeah. of influence. They're like, oh, this is the kind of character where we can just crank these sequels out. Yeah. And they don't, they can be standalone pretty much. Well, and a big, a big thing that happened during the production of these movies was that Dracula entered the public domain as well. Oh, like yes. in the, I think in 1962, I want to say is when Dracula entered the so public by that domain. Point, it was just like, so they were like, this is cheap. Yeah. Now, so we can and we can just put Dracula in whatever the fuck we want. Now, this is yeah. the beginning of just we can shove Dracula in whatever we fucking want. So yeah, so we had yeah the the Brides of Dracula, Dracula Prince of Darkness, Dracula's Risen from the Grave, Taste the Blood of Dracula, Scars of Dracula, Dracula 80, 1972, which is when they stopped doing period Draculas and they just said fuck it and they moved him to modern day. Kind of uh, makes sense. The Dracula. Satanic Rites of Dracula, and well, then the last one, which it just shows you how far away this franchise got. The last of these movies is called The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. It's a movie where Dracula fights ninjas, and Christopher Lee didn't come back for it. No. <laughs> Peter Cushing's in it, but yeah, who, John Forbes Robertson played Dracula in this. Yeah, Peter Cushing's in it. So yeah, like there were there are some movies like I think Brides of Dracula the second one has Peter Cushing in it, but not Christopher Lee because they're like well, we killed Dracula, so let's make another. Dra-. It's kind of like you know Dracula's daughter that we talked about last time, where they're right. like Dracula's dead. Who else is related to Dracula? We can do a thing about. Yeah. But then in the next one, they said fuck it, we're bringing Prince Dracula back. They brought Dracula right back. An yeah. interesting fact about Dracula: Prince of Darkness is that uh, Christopher Lee notoriously hated all the dialogue in the movie so much that he refused to say anything so when you watch that movie like dracula in all these movies dracula's barely in them like he he shows up for like five you know he shows up for a bit it kind of reminds me of like the hellraiser sequels how like you know all the plots of those have barely anything to do but as long as you know uh you know pinhead and the fucking puzzle box show up for like a minute or two you can call it a hellraiser movie yeah, I'm just looking at the production notes for Dracula, Prince of Darkness, and it says Dracula does not speak in the film, save for a few hisses. Yeah, According he, to Christopher Lee, I didn't speak in that picture. The reason was very simple. I read the script and saw, saw the dialogue. I said to Hammer, if you think I'm going to say any of these lines, you're very much mistaken. <laughs> I mean, that's great that that's how much power Christopher Lee had, or you could just say, like, no, fuck this script. <laughs> well, yeah, like it's it's like we said, yeah, Christopher Lee very got very tired of these movies and kind of only did them after a while to keep people in work. And he said that like after a while, like he was the one that would like throw lines from like Stoker into the movies, even though they weren't included, just to try to keep them closer to the source. Uh-huh. And it, because he was like, this is, basically isn't Dracula. This is just some other character you want me to play that kind of looks like him right. and this like weird ass story you want to tell. Yeah. Because Dracula: Prince of Darkness is very much like a Jason movie. It's just like this, this group of like young kids from the 1800s go to like dracula's castle they're like lost or something and they're taken in by like one of dracula's servants who's just like still there mm-hmm. even though dracula's been dead and then he like kidnaps one of them and kills them in a weird ritual like using their blood and ashes and that brings dracula back from the dead and the rest of the movie is just him picking off these kids in his house yeah while he hisses occasionally that uh, sounds great i want to watch these. Um, <laughs> one of the the one that i watched all the way through was the next one dracula's risen from the grave i'm looking at the poster for that right now and it looks really cool but it also what is this like a comedy because the poster says dracula has risen from the grave and then parentheses obviously, obviously. <laughs> it's not a it's not a parody but it does feel a little pornier than the other <laughs> one like it's this one is full like i was talking about a second ago how the women in dracula look like they're enjoying being bit by dracula in this one they very much look like they enjoy being bit by dracula where it's like every time dracula you know is over them with his fangs out and his hands up like he's about to bite them like they're like pulling their shirts down and like oh no dracula's (laughs) coming for me like it's one of those kind of situations i love it and he's in like 
this feels like very much like one of the the Friday the 13th sequels because Dracula's resurrected in this one like apparently in the last one he died by like falling into ice water <laughs> he just like drowned or something so in this one uh, like the villagers won't go to church because the shadow of Dracula's castle keeps falling on it so to like put them at ease like this monsignor and a priest like hike up to Dracula's castle to like exercise it and on the way, like, one of the priests decides that he doesn't want to go on any further, so he stays behind, uh -huh. and then, like, some lightning strikes, and he gets frightened, and he gets up to run away, and then he falls down and hits his head on a rock, and then the blood from his head, because he's unconscious, like, trickles down the ice to where Count Dracula happens to, his body just happens to be, like, under the ice from the last movie, and then once the blood touches him, he comes back to life. And it feels very much like, you know, Jason 6 when, you know, they're going to yeah. Jason's coffin, and then they, ex they put the giant metal pole in them, and it gets, like, struck by lightning. Like, these movies turn to shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And yeah, and then the rest of the movie is just Dracula wants revenge against the Monsignor who put a big cross in front of his castle so he can't get back in it. God, I'm going to fall down a wormhole with these movies. <laughs> I'm just they look really all. interesting. I, I wish that, like, I had more time and that we weren't, you know, researching the rest of kind of the other first Dracula movies. Yeah. Maybe for one of our last two episodes, I'll watch a couple more of the sequels and we can come back. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. we're going to do an episode or two at the end where we each just talk about some of our favorite weird Dracula spinoffs that aren't specifically the, the Bram Stoker story. Yeah, because this is a lot of, like, you know... I'm just going to be obsessed with these movies now. What, what, what I also watched most of Dracula 80, 1972, which is a story about, like, funky hippie kids who have, like, a like a satanic, like, ritual for fun in, like, yeah. the castle where, like, Van Helsing and Dracula fought and, like, bring him back to life. And then it's about Dracula's, or Van Helsing's descendants fighting, like, the newly resurrected Dracula. Yeah. And it's full of just, like, funky young music. And <laughs> I think there's, like, explicitly a line, like, one of the kids when they're starting the the... Ritual says something like, "All right, everyone, sit in the satanic circle and dig that groovy music." Like it's, God. it's like it's like the silliest B movie, and then you get to occasionally see Christopher Lee as Dracula every once in a while. So well, yeah, so I would recommend seeing the first Dracula, but I'm yeah. some of the sequels you can you can kind of cherry pick them, and they're not great about continuity. Like so, it doesn't really matter what order you watch them right. in for the most part. Yeah, all you need to know is Christopher Lee's Dracula, Peter Cushing's Van Helsing. And he's going to get resurrected in a silly way at the beginning, and then he's going to die in an equally silly way at the end, and then the credits will start five seconds after he dies, because that's every single one of them. talk a little bit about the effect of pop culture oh yes yeah, yeah, i think sure. before we get going because like like i said i think this one what uh what this one really contributes more than anything is the building up of van helsing in popular culture because this is where he we kind of get the beginning of the the van helsing you know with like the the kind of like deer stalker almost kind of sherlock holmes look and mm -hmm. you know the the stakes you know like the big briefcase full of like vampire hunting stuff yeah and uh, one of my favorite movies that I feel like is very much influenced by, like, the Hammer uh, Dracula movies is uh, Fright Night. Oh, yes. With, uh, with uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Sarandon, Sarandon and yeah. Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell plays a horror host who is more or less Peter Cushing <laughs> right. from the, the Hammer Dracula movies. I was he... reminded of that a couple times watching this movie, how much Van Helsing seems like that character. Yeah, because, yeah, there's explicitly scenes in, like, Fright Night where they, they film, like, a clip or two from his movies, and it's very much just, like, a shot-for-shot -shot remake of the staking yeah. scenes from, from any of the Draculas with Peter Cushing in them. Yeah. And, uh, and, and like we said, this, you know, very much started contributing to more of like the the monstrous kind of version of dracula because mm -hmm. like bella lugosi was was very much like a menace but he was 
more human and he interacted with people on a more human level. And this is where we get the beginning of like our monster Dracula. And as we talk about next week in the Frank Langella one, that's where we begin to get like romantic Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that begins a little bit with this, but it is, it's almost unintentional kind of the, the, the sexiness a little bit. Yeah. Though I guess, I don't know what I'm saying. Cause like I said, it is very much an exploitation movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. But Chris, Christopher Lee tries to play his Dracula as more monstrous, but the screenwriting and directing and everything make it a little bit sexier and everything. Right, right, right. So. For sure. So I guess that's, that's more or less. Uh, the effect on pop culture there. And like I said, that's this series of films introduced the fact that you can kind of do just like what the fuck ever you want with Dracula because yeah. he's he's open and free now, baby. <laughs> Don't got to pay no money to, to Bram Stoker's wife anymore. Is that still the case now, though? Like anyone can just make a Dracula movie? Anyone can make Dracula's public domain. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, they the, the public domain laws in this country have been fucked with so much by yeah. like Disney, but like Dracula squeaked in before any of that yeah, happened. Yeah, Disney's trying to just buy the rights of like all these fairy tales basically right well and they don't want any of their properties to ever enter the public domain because like right. like steamboat willie i think is real close to enter oh. it and they keep extending it out so people can't do anything oh, with that that just opens up a whole mickey mouse used in anything. <laughs> it opens up yeah. a, a a pandora's box <laughs> i was trying to think of a, a disney character to pun off pandora's box but i couldn't pluto's box so next episode, <laughs> nice. <laughs> move on from that. So next one, we're gonna do the Frank Langella. We're doing. Dracula. We're gonna do two of them. We're gonna do the Frank Langella Dracula and the Jack Palance Dracula, which I think both of are on like streaming. Uh, definitely the Jack Palance one is mm-hmm. on like forty different streaming sites. But these are both the ones that I kind of consider to be like the the middle Draculas. They're kind of like they're not super influential, but they're big enough that they're worth mentioning. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to look at like a middle of the road kind of adaptation of Dracula and compare it. And you know, like why are these ones that we talked about already so iconic? And why is why do less people consider Frank Langella to be like a definitive Dracula than they do Bela Lugosi or Christopher Lee? Yeah. That kind of stuff. What's the name of the Frank Langella one? I think it's just called Dracula. Just Dracula. Okay. And, and yeah. And the Jack Palance one is called Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes, you are correct. 1973. Cool. All right. Well, then, from all of us here at Hacks on Drac, we'd like to say good evening. <laughs>